Coming up on the Men at the Movies podcast, Dustin and I get you ready for summer with Nacho Libre. Play is important. We need it to transform the drone of everyday life into a dance. Watching a movie like this simply for the joy it brings is a form of play. We dive into the playfulness of God and how important it is for us to engage in an activity simply for the joy it brings us. They don't think I know a buttload of crap about the gospel, but I do. Join us as we discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald and joining me once again from the Hotlanta, Georgia region is Dustin O'Prea. How you doing today? Oh man, I should have I should have come up with like this this luchador wrestler sort of. And now in the red corner, Dustin O'Prea. <laughs> Coming in at five foot five, one hundred and forty pounds. <laughs> I'm just glad you're not wearing the white spandex. <laughs> what if I had a full luchador costume on right now? How great would that have been to see me on on your screen just dressed up as that? We would have we would have put the whole thing on YouTube, and it would have just been your camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well. Doing well. I'm um, here in Roswell, Georgia, just north of Atlanta, and uh, we're in full swing of a lot of soccer games in the Opria household. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the next several weeks is we're wrapping that up, and I'm very much looking forward to the summer and just a, a different pace, yeah, uh, different daily process as a family. We got three young active boys, and uh, and looking forward to some vacation. And oh, what what vacation? What vacations are you going to be doing? Where are you heading on vacation? My wife and I are getting away for a few days, uh, going Ooh, down la, to, la, nice, yeah, Amelia Island down in the yeah in Georgia. So we're dropping off our three kids at some friends' houses, and they're watching our kids for like three nights. Awesome! Yeah, yeah. It's a it's it's tough to to find some alone time when you yeah. got three kids running around. Yeah, we got some great friends that just raised their hand and said, "Hey, I, we know y'all are looking to get away. Uh, we will watch all three of your boys, so y'all can go do that." Is I feel like as much as I'm excited to get away with my wife and just be with her, I'm almost as much overjoyed that we <laughs> that God's given us some friends that are like, Hey, we'll do that. Bring them on. Right? I'll watch it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You got to have friends like that. And it's tough. I know my, my parents have traveled and they have a dog, like a big, like old English sheep dog. And it was really hard for them because somebody offered to watch the dog and they'd be like, ah, we don't want to burden. What if basically like, what if them watching the dog ruins our friendship? Mm -hmm. It was like, just say yes. Just allow them to love you. Yep. And uh, you know, and that's awesome, man. I hope you you and your wife have a have a great time together. Yeah. A a realization and a and a sort of moments where you're like, oh yeah, there's my bride. Cause it's there. hard to see sometimes with the the three boys constantly clamoring mm -hmm. for your attention. I just, it, it makes, I get in mind like a cartoon where the dad's sitting there exhausted and the three boys are just like constantly circling him, making noise. Yep. <laughs> is that, that's not your house, is it? No, not at all. It's, <laughs> a, it's a beautiful, I call it a beautiful mess or organized chaos. Yeah, it's all, all good. So, and some of our boys are going to do some camps and get away just themselves and, uh, we got a, another small trip we're going to do as a family just for a few days around July 4th. Uh, awesome. Got to be at the lake for a little bit too. So, yeah. Oh, that's a great time to be at a lake. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Very excited about the summer and just a different pace and a more like I feel it, it's rest. 
it's a restful, restful time. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, how, how about you? Uh, we just took our vacations. Um, did spring break. My my youngest is doing sports, so we we sort of sacrifice our summer for for his pursuit. However, my wife and I are right now trying to figure out where to go. Interestingly enough, over that that Fourth of July week, they'll be my kids will be with their mom up in Buffalo, and my wife and I were looking for a place to go. She'll still be working. But it's like, we'll find somewhere in the mountains, somewhere I can do some fly fishing. Because traveling with kids, I had a friend of mine, he said, my wife and I discovered that there's trips and there's vacations. Trips, you go away and you come back needing a vacation. <laughs> because your you know, trip is, you're, it's what we were at the lake with the kids coming and going, trying to organize food and activities and you know, two grandkids under five. It's the the chaos that you mentioned. Uh, and so my wife and I realized that we hadn't really had any time that just me and her going away in a long time. So she was wanting to go up to the mountains. I would re really enjoy the hot tub. So like hot tub with a view, cabin in the middle of nowhere that has good Wi-Fi and uh I may end up actually recording some podcasts up there because, because uh, you know, it, it's another week. So that I think is our big vacation for the summer, and uh, we'll see what else God has planned for us if anything opens up. But uh, the last couple of years, we really did something. We focused on the spring break time, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh my gosh, how long are you guys going to talk about your summer plans? Well, it's interesting as as Dustin was talking, I was like, man, this is really leading into what we want to talk about today. Uh, which if you've gotten this far, you know we're talking about Nacho Libre because you know it's on the title and all. So the the whole luchador thing. And when you watch that movie, you know, we 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 talk about what move what what moments moved you, what what sort of stirred your heart and all that. There's not a lot of that in this movie. And we could really stretch it to say, well, in this movie, you can see how the the monks were the serious, the dry religious types, and they were the Pharisees, and Nacho was the truth. He was someone living in the freedom of the spirit. We can say all that, but that's not why you love the movie. I think Dustin almost threw this out there as a, yeah, let's do, let's see what Paul will say if I suggest Nacho Libre. And I'm like, I'd never seen it. So I was like, yeah, dude, let's go for it. So, so Dustin, why do you love this movie? It makes me laugh so hard. I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love it. Uh, yeah. I, you know, for some context, um, I'm not even sure when the movie came out. I mean, maybe 15 years. 2006. Ago. Okay. 2006. My 30 seconds of internet research. Yeah. 06. And so that's, I, I would have been um, finishing up college at that time. Oh, so, what a perfect time to see this movie. Yeah. So it, it, <laughs> it floored me. Uh, the, and I think that's the only time I've ever seen the movie uh, was, was when it came out in the theater. And, yeah. you know, we can have really hard times, tough days, tough weeks, tough months, tough years. You know, I, I'm someone who loves to laugh. Like, some of my friends call me a spark plug. Like I, I, I will start something and other people will kind of hop on and do it or I'll start laughing about something and a joke carries on and on and on. And so I just love to laugh. I love to have a good time. And I'm in a season where in my job world where it can be really heavy and the news has been hard. Um, the economy impacts that. So all that to say, I've had a kind of a hard Q1 of 2023, not all of it, but it's just been heavy. And uh, I just needed a laugh. And I was all out of the stand-up comedians that I really enjoy. <laughs> and uh, I've already watched all those on Netflix. And so I, for, for whatever reason, Nacho Libre came across the screen or my mind, I don't even know, and decided to watch it with a good friend. And I was reminded of how much I love the movie because it is, it is so random. And I, I have a random train of thought and I, my humor is very different than a lot of people. It's weird because we say random train of thought because trains are not random at all. 
trains run on tracks, man. But yeah, they do. <laughs> I have. We have I, random spider webs of thought. <laughs> right. I go off the track. Yeah. I, I love it because it is different. You, you just see the previews and you're like, what is this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it takes seeing it two or three times for folks to really enjoy it. Um, kind of like the the way The Office started or right. uh, the way Napoleon Dynamite was back in the day. It's like took a couple viewings or watching of it to really get the humor. That's what it is for me. It's kind of off the beaten path. It's different. And I love Jack Black. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I think he is hysterical. I actually and think so that's how it started. I'd thrown out School of Rock. Ah. And you're like, let's do nacho instead. Yeah, I think I think you're right. That is what happened. Yeah. It's just it's just laughter. I watched this on the plane going out to Texas with my daughter. And it's interesting. We got there and we made street corn one night. And I was like, this is the best street corn in the village. Get that out of my face. <laughs> and my my sister-in-law was like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? It's like, I just watched Nacho Libre. <laughs> There are so many. It is very quotable. Yeah. It is very quotable. And I mean, why, we love, you know, the way the podcast starts out. We There's a reason we all love movies, right? It tells a, a part of us. And, you know, I don't know about you, Paul, but we were exchanging text messages and I sent a bunch of gifts with yesterday. <laughs> and I'm in a group text with some really close brothers of mine. And me and another guy in that group watched this movie about a month ago. And ever since then, we've been sending text in that group message. It's seven guys. <laughs> and one guy texted over the weekend. He's like, hey, I've never seen Nacho Libre, but I feel like I've seen it just from all y'all's gifts. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me in high school, it was um, Monty Python's Holy Grail. Like mm. before I had ever seen the movie, I knew all the lines. <laughs> <laughs> and... So we're we're sort of coming at this as a in a roundabout way, because again, we're not really going to talk about a lot of the movie, the plot points itself. I mean, it's it's super campy, it's super dry. You mentioned Napoleon Dynamite, that same vibe completely, but it, it's so quotable and relatable. I think just the same way Napoleon Dynamite is, because we've all felt super awkward in high school. Here, we've all felt sort of. Like we're called to greatness, but we don't know how to get there. And, <laughs> and you know, people say, I don't know a crap load about the gospel, but I do. Okay. The brothers make me cook, stew and stuff all day, but they don't give me money for fresh ingredients. And they don't think I know a buttload of crap about the gospel, but I do. Okay. <laughs> That's a great one. And so we started talking about this idea of the playfulness of God because laughter is important, right? And, and, um, and it, I'm going to plug John Eldridge's book, Beautiful Outlaw, which is all about the personality of Jesus. But he opens with like two chapters, really, sandwiched around a, another one. I can't remember. It's a super short one. But it, one is the playfulness of God and the other is the playfulness of Jesus. You're like, it's the same person. Look, we're not splitting hairs here. That's not what we're doing. But when you look at, I mean, God who who came along, you know, with Abraham and Sarah, and he and John shares something with from Frederick Beekner's book about the fact that Isaac's name was laughter. Mm. Like how God does funny stuff. And one of the the big takeaways is if you look at the art, the art tells you about the artist. Creation tells you about the creator. You know, my dad's sitting there playing with playing ball with his, you know, 120 pound old English sheepdog who acts like a lap dog. And you just laugh at it. He's running around. You, you watch toddlers running around. You hear a toddler laugh and it makes you want to laugh. You've got otters playing. You look at creation and creation is playful. You look at us, like you were just saying, is, is that laughter sort of just bubbles out. And those are those memorable times when you're sitting around with your buddies just rolling on the floor laughing. And and so John Eldridge in the in the book sort of laid out these examples of these stories, like the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. 
It's like, what in the world? That is a weird story. Unless you're like, here he is, the day after he defeated sin, defeated Satan, got the keys of hell and death dangling on his hips. And uh, two guys are walking and say, hey guys, what's going on? They're like, don't you, don't you know? He's like, what things? What, what things are you talking about? The things that were about him. <laughs> and then they're walking and then he explains it to him. Well, here's how, why this had to happen. And then he's getting ready. They're like, oh, okay, I'll see you guys later. This is your exit. I'll see. And they have to persuade him to come in. And if you think about it, the, the mood, like how would you feel, how do the people who win the Super Bowl, what's their feeling that next day? They're, they're, I want to say ebullient. I don't like that word. They are overjoyed. They are, I would say, playful, right? Because they've just won. You know, they won the Super Bowl. I'm going to Disney World, right? What do you do at Disney World? Yep. You play. And so, dude, the, the day after I sent this to you, the day after we talked about this, like exploring the playfulness of God, I read this. I'm reading through the Psalms in New Testament this year, and no joke, I read uh, Psalm 114. I'm reading in the message version, and so there's these, it's a devotional Bible by Eugene Peterson. So there's these little, every once in a while, there's these little inserts where he talks about stuff. And for Psalm 114, the title is A Holy Playfulness. So I'm going to circle this back to what we were talking about earlier. And the last line of this paragraph that you wrote is life in the spiritual universe is governed not by inflexible laws, but by inexplicable graces, which transform the drone of everyday life into a dance. Right? We need to play in order to transform that because the, the drone of everyday life can wear yes. on us. You know, I, and I know uh, Morgan Snyder has talked about play, how he went over to a friend's house. The guy was mowing, but he wasn't. When I mow, I mow in in boxes and circles and, you know, make it smaller and all this and their structure. He's like, he's just like wandering all around the yard and doing this. And the guy was like, yeah, I was just playing. And Morgan's like, I, I don't have a file for that. I don't, that does not compute. <laughs> And so there's there's a distinction that that Dustin brought up that I wanted to let him sort of talk about. So because we can play and play can be relief where we just like I just need a break, escapism, right? But play can also provide restoration. So talk about the differences of the contrast those two things for me, Dustin. You know, I'm I turn 40 next month. We're, talk, we're not talking about playing as a five-year-old or a 12-year-old or a teenager. We're not talking about the playground at recess. And we're not talking about even the college days. We don't fit on the swings anymore. No, we do not. We're not <laughs> and we're not talking about college or young adult life. When you read that text you just read talking about the drone of life, it begs the question for you, for me, and anyone listening right now, when is it that you first experienced the drone of life? For some people, it might be younger, even in the high school, college days. The majority of, uh, we'll, just, we'll just call it Americans. The majority of Americans experience this usually around the four to five year mark post whatever education they just finished. Whether you just finished high school or just finished college or graduate school, whatever, it's four or five years past that. So it's not an age thing. It's a season of life thing because we are trained in America to do, go from elementary school in one building to middle school in another building to high school in another building, maybe to college if that's you, postgraduate, whatever. And there's these three to four or five year chunks. And so whenever that ends, four to five years after that, most adults in the American culture of how our society works experience some sort of drone. And so naming that drone, like when did I first experience that is really the first question that is to try to figure out what was the headspace in that moment or what moment now 
if I'm experiencing a drone of life and it's this boring and Monday's always coming and I look to the weekend, I look to the weekend for like relief and I'm going to have that. Everybody's working for the weekend. That one. Uh, that, sounded, <laughs> that sounded great, Paul. Um, not as good. I just broke your speakers. Not as good as the proposal it takes to. <laughs> you just make me want to sing, doesn't Good. It? Well, I'm glad that that's the case. But what honestly, it's like once we figure out, wow, am I in a do I look at my life as kind of boring or mundane, or is there a drone of life, this kind of stat just kind of background noise where I'm just going through the motions, right? So this idea of being playful is getting outside of ourselves and realizing, okay, I'm not five anymore, but there is a five-year-old in me. Mm. Or yeah. I'm not 12 anymore, figuring out what it looks like to grow up and be in middle school. None of us really want to remember our middle school days. <laughs> but there's an excitement around that, right? And like, so there's a five-year-old in Dustin. Paul, there's a there's a 12-year-old in you, a 16-year-old in you still that needs to have space to wake up and to come alive and to experience this life, even though I'm a 40-year-old man, and that's how other people experience Dustin right now in 2023, there's a part of me that if it does not experience life to the full, as Jesus says, then that part of me can be capped or it can eventually kind of die off, and you kind of forget how to play or forget how to laugh or to tell a joke, or to have fun, or to la be okay at laughing at something uh, in your car by yourself. Goodness gracious, I mean, how? when's the last time, I'll just ask it to you and our listeners, it's more rhetorical, but when's the last time you laughed by yourself? Like that, that is a bit of a telling data point of how am I doing with getting to know myself mm. well, or being in touch with myself. And so, I, I pose all of those things because there's a difference between seeking relief and seeking restoration. And we can talk a lot about um, ways in which we seek relief, right? We can fill in the blank. We have a very mature audience. Uh, but what does it look like to seek restoration? And sometimes those things don't have to change. And so since we're talking about a movie, we're not talking about drinking or drugs or doing anything crazy out there, right? <laughs> we're talking about a movie called Nacho Libre that is weird. It is a weird movie. Over the top. It is. Super, like, over Yeah. Caricatures. So, I mean, it, it's not real life, but it is so far out there. And, like, I am learning and having to relearn what it looks like to play in my in present day. And I, and I don't mean play with my kids. See, they, they want me to play with them. I'm talking about what does it look like for a 40 year old Dustin to play and have fun? I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm going to go on Amazon and buy a bunch of stuff and have fun. Cause I can buy stuff. We're going to go golf every weekend and, it's, it's, and play yeah, tennis every night or it's, yeah, it's not about that. However, and it's not necessarily about watching Nacho Libre, but it could be. It could be. Right? <laughs> and what I mean by that is that I could go play golf and it could be relief because oh, I got to get away from my wife and I got to get away from the kids and I got to get away from the office. That's relief. Or I could go play golf and I, I don't mean to over spiritualize things, but I'm going to go do it by myself or I'm going to go do it with a really good buddy with the purpose in mind of I want to be out in nature. I want to experience mm -hmm. God in this moment, even if I have to throw my club because I whiff the ball. Um, I'm gonna, I want to experience God and and really the the beauty outside and the conversation that can happen in the golf cart with a really good friend of mine, whether we're having a blast or kind of being real about some hard things or whatever. But it's after that round, it's more restorative because we are made to connect with nature. We are made to connect with God. We are made to connect with other people. We are created for connection and community because that is the Trinity, the greatest community right. and the unity that has ever <laughs> lived, right? So we're invited into that. So why not invite God into it? And that's what brings restoration. So Nacho Libre and watching that and laughing, um, it could have been relief. 
I just want to laugh and I want to forget about my week because I've had really hard meetings and budget stuff and life stuff. And I just want to laugh. I want to forget about all that right now. Just laugh. Now, from the outside looking in from a neighbor that peers into my window and says, he's just look, laughing at a movie. That could be relief or the posture of my heart and what I'm trying to access in my heart through that laughter and experiencing with another brother and watching this movie, it actually can be restorative because I'm inviting God's presence into that space. And I'm not sitting there praying on my knees before I read a book, you know, read a book or watch a movie. <laughs> it's just, it's simply, there's a, there's a posture change of, I want to access what it looks like to wholeheartedly laugh and embrace my weird and embrace humor in a way that is not relief based. It is restorative based that I'm actually growing into something that God wants me to grow into rather than just experience something because I'm trying to run from something else. I'm actually running to something through watching this movie and laughing. Am I making any sense right now, Paul? Yeah. And I want to actually just pop a clip in because I think it just ties in exactly what you're talking about. This is the worst lunch I ever had. Your only job is to cook. Do you not realize I have had diarrhea since Easter's? Okay. Maybe I am not meant for these duties. Cooking duty. Dead guy duty. Maybe it's time for me to get a better duty. Gatekeeper of my own destiny. And I will have my glory day in the hot sun. Okay? See ya. And if you could have seen the video, as soon as I hit that button, this is the worst lunch I've ever had in my entire life. Dustin and I are cracking up laughing. Because, but I thought it just fit with what you were saying. One, that scene just makes us laugh. But then he's what you were just saying. He's running to something. Mm -hmm. I need better duties. <laughs> yeah. It's always interesting how God sort of weaves our conversations together in the clips mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Because I did a little, we were trying to do a little research being like, how are we going to talk about this? How what are we going to say about it? And I Googled basically decline of play or something about how we should play. I don't remember what Google thing I did. But so the, the question on this site, it's livingthepresentmoment.com um, in the, their little article here. And it says, what important skills do children learn from play? And one of the first one he lists, play is where children learn that they are in control of their lives. And isn't that what Nacho said right there? Hmm. I'm in control of, I am the gatekeeper of my destiny. Now, Grant, I mean, there's some theological stuff that we would parse out and all that stuff, but there is a truth to play. And, and in these movies, what we see this so much in city slickers, uh, where you go back and she tells Mitch, she's like, you need to go to this ranch thing. Cause you need to find your smile. You need to get your smile back. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason this stuff connects. And there's a reason we love play. But I think because of, of the world, and we're going to talk about what you, you said in a minute here, Dustin, and, and I'll pitch it back to you because I love that, that idea. The world and even the church says we need to be serious. We need to be, we need to grow up. We need to, you know, get our head out of the clouds, all this stuff. But... I wanted to latch back onto something you had said first before moving on. And you said, my kids love to play with me. From a father standpoint, that's a, it's a different experience. Play is not always as enjoyable if you're playing, you know, shoots and ladders for 47 hours with a four-year-old, right? That's, that's, there's, it's, it's enjoyable, but it's, it's not really play. 
but that idea that the kids want to play with their father. Dad, come play catch with me. Dad, let's play a game. Like, it was hard for me when I, when I, when video games went beyond my ability to be good at them anymore. Like, it's not fun. Well, it might be fun for my boys to beat me 48 nothing on Madden. It's not fun for me. <laughs> it's like, oh, what button did I just push that pitched the ball to some random person that your team picked up and scored? <laughs> but that idea of playing with the father and inviting God into our play. I mean, and like you said, we don't have to like get down on our knees. We don't have to be all serious. We don't have to be serious about play. We don't need to be make play another form of work. Like what, what, was playful, right? You mentioned golf. What was playful and enjoyable time around a golf, and it could be by yourself, it could be with a friend. Suddenly, now you're getting ready to for the club tournament. You're getting serious about your game, and you lose that element of play and of joy. So, you know, we're we're dealing right now with inflation and all this stuff. And and Dustin had, had sent me this text. He said, if you want to ruin the economy, flood the market with counterfeit bills. In the same way, we can ruin the economy of the kingdom of Jesus by flooding the market with counterfeit Christ. And that's why a book like Beautiful Outlaw was so transformative to how I looked at Jesus. I grew up in church, and it was a very small, very conservative church. My perception was super serious, lots of, you know, I, I won't, I, every time I showed up at church, I felt like the elders were looking to see where I screwed up that week. And this was like at a five, six-year-old boy. I'm not sure that's actually how they were. My dad would probably describe them very differently because they would play games. And so when you talk about counterfeit Christ. And we we sort of had this, we felt this pressure a little bit before we, we pressed the record button because we want to portray Jesus honestly and truthfully. We want to show you the authentic Jesus because there's so much of the counterfeit Christ. So when you said we ruin the economy of the kingdom by flooding the market with counterfeit Christ— what does that mean, Dustin? It begs the question that there could it be true that Dustin might have learned Jesus wrong? Like my first introduction to Jesus, you spoke of your church experience. I'm very thankful for my church experience because of the community that it brought me into. But as far as what I was taught about who Jesus was, I, I was taught more about the legalistic. It seems looking back on it, it was a little bit more pharisaical. And mm -hmm. here's what the Bible says kind of thing. Not necessarily like, who do you think Jesus is? And so it sort of got impressed upon me that it was all about the, the Bible and what makes you a Christian is what you don't do essentially. And that was, that was the religion. I wasn't invited into a, a relationship and a restorative opportunity with, the, yeah. with our father in heaven. The and focus Jesus. is removing sin from your life. Correct. Yeah. And it was, it was sin management. Yeah. Right. Like you were just referring to walking into a church, like who knows what about me? Like, <laughs> right. So uh, when I say the economy of Jesus, the culture of Jesus and the kingdom of Jesus. If it's going to be interrupted or if there's going to be chaos inserted into it, counterfeit Jesus, a bunch of counterfeit Jesuses or Christs are going to be inserted into it. There's wrong versions of Jesus that people have experienced and I have experienced a incorrect version of who Jesus really is. Well, and that's that George MacDonald quote. So George MacDonald is a Scottish theologian, actually was transformative for C.S. Lewis, sort of a one of those kind of a precursor to C.S. Lewis. 
he asks in his in his uh, unspoken sermons, I think that was the book, how have we learned Christ? It ought to be a startling thought that we may have learned him wrong. Hmm. That must be far worse than not to have learned him at all. His place is occupied by a false Christ that's hard to exercise. And not like jumping jacks or push-ups, like get out of your life because we have this, it's almost like an idol. This is what Jesus looked like. Jesus is a man who never took a dump, right? right. Whoa, 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 he's never up. Like this is what one of the examples John Eldridge talks about. Jesus was accused of hanging out with sinners, right? Drunkards, gluttons. Mm-hmm. Sounds like some party people. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to hang out with a stick in the mud. No. You're not going to kill Mr. Rogers. Mm-mm. You yeah. kill a charismatic, dynamic, life-changing, transformative human being who's spreading the love of God and the kingdom of God everywhere he goes. Mm. And you think about the people that you are drawn to, the men that you are drawn to, and I would argue, I would probably, I, I don't feel like this is a big stretch to say the people you most enjoy hanging out with are probably pretty playful mm-hmm. or at least have that capacity. Mm-hmm. But that idea, like we have put a false Christ, we put a Christ in our image on the throne in our hearts mm-hmm. because we think that's what he wants. We think that, oh no, this is what Jesus looks like. He was, you know, sort of always meek and mild and going around carrying lambs and kids and no, no this dude Mm-mm. Jesus was was real. Yeah. Yeah, there was a strength in him that not only a strength in like character and a strength in um leading other people well, all different types of people. The strength that I really appreciate is like his defiant uh joy and how he would find joy in things that other people would be like what's going on right now why are, why is this happening and he would he would find joy in some really amazing things um like uh, a couple of small examples again one of these is kind of heavy but one is uh at one point in the, in uh one of the gospels i think peter has i think it's the peter says are you supposed to pay taxes or something and she's mm-hmm. like well Who's on the back of this coin? Well, it's Caesar. So give to Caesar what Caesar's. And and then I think someone asked, well, Jesus, are you paying taxes? Or as you're doing this, these things with the disciples, are you paying taxes? And he's like, I, I think the next thing that happens was he tells Peter to go go fish, find a fish, and in the mouth of the fish is going to be our what we're going to pay. Yeah. yeah. Which he doesn't. He could have just pulled out a, you know, the coin out of his pocket or out of thin air or whatever, or I don't know, just ask someone for it. But instead he invites Peter to go fishing and the first fish you catch, there's going to be a coin and then you're going to give that. So why would he do that? Well, he's inviting Peter to go have fun. Peter originally was a fisherman. He's inviting Peter, like go have fun, enjoy what you were doing before you said, Hey, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. He's given him a chance to go have fun and play out in the ocean or whatever, wherever he was fishing at the time. See a Galilee, I don't know. And to go have fun and do that, which is really cool. He wants Jesus as ex, is an expression of God of like, of course I want you to have fun and I want you to play. Mm. I'm gonna let you go do that here. And it, it's gonna help pay our taxes. Yeah. It's a comp it's a defiant joy in accomplishing something that needs to get done, but inserting a heart of laughter, a heart of joy uh into it. The other one that comes to mind was there was a woman that was really sick for a long time. I think scripture says she was bleeding for a long time and she's in a crowd. And apparently there's a bunch of people always around Jesus at this point in his ministry and people are pushing up against him. And I imagine throwing kids or babies at him, <laughs> hoping that, hoping that, you know, they would get healed. But this woman who had been sick and lost all her money on doctors, she touches his robe, I think, or cloak or something. And uh, immediately she's like healed. Right. But Jesus scripture says that, I don't remember which gospel, but he turns around and is like, who touched me? Like, it's sort of this like funny thing. <laughs> the disciples are like, dude, seriously, people, we're in a mob. Everyone has touched you. <laughs> right, yeah. And, 
you know, the, the playfulness is Jesus. So he knows probably, he probably knows what happened. Right. Oh, for I sure. think, I don't know. Um, I don't know for sure, but he's like, Hey, who touched me? Like the <laughs> kind of this joking mm. kind of manner. I don't know. It just draws out this personality of Jesus that he just likes to joke around. Well, and you think about that, that like, yeah, I bet he did. He's the son of God. He knew where he was going. He knew the cross. He knew they were going to, you know, he knew the end, end of the story. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he knew who it was, but what an invitation for that woman who has spent decades ostracized, unclean. Mm. Cause in the Jewish community, the, in the Jewish community, a, a, a woman who's bleeding, a woman who's on her period is unclean. She has to go out of the, she has to go away for like a week, you know, while it, while it happens, has to go back to the priest, all this stuff, all the ceremonial laws. Mm-hmm. Well, if it never stops, she's never included. Right. She doesn't belong. She is unseen because she's unclean. And Jesus gives her the opportunity to right. be seen. And then Jesus listens to her story, hmm. which again, just that beautiful personality, as you mentioned of Jesus. In, in the story, even again, another post-resurrection story where the guys are fishing and they said, Jesus is on the bank cooking fish. And he calls out, hey, have you guys caught any fish? And they've been out fishing all night and they're like, no, we haven't caught any fish. He's like, throw your nets on the other side of the boat, which is exactly what he said when he first called them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as they're like, they got it, their nets were breaking. They And John says, oh, it's Jesus. Peter jumps out of the boat, goes, swims to him. And again, it's like he didn't need the fish because he was already cooking breakfast. <laughs> like the mindset of somebody who would do that, like both, both the playfulness and the love kind of demonstrated mm-hmm. in that. And so we've experienced that, the playfulness of God. One of one of the stories that comes to my mind is the first time I was out in Colorado for a boot camp, and we had like, we call it you know there's there's time set apart for adventure where you can go do stuff. I chose to go out into one of the one of the parks there. They said that it was it was a place where you might see you know bighorn sheep, but this was like November and there was snow everywhere. I didn't see any sheep. But, you know, walking through the woods, I did see a bear tree, which I didn't know was a bear tree at the time. So I'm wandering through the woods in Colorado, see this tree that's all scratched up and scraped up. I'm like, oh, man, that looks pretty cool. I don't know what happened to it. So I took a picture of it. I got back and my friend's like, you were just out there by yourself? That's a bear tree, dude. Did you did you have a whistle? Like, no, I, I, I just was walking in the woods. He's like, you're a moron. But... In spite of all that, I was like, I really wanted to see something, some wildlife, something that'd be like, sort of, I don't know. I had this vague notion and I was, I was praying about it. I was praying, talking to God the whole time. And it was time to go back for dinner in the next session. And so I'm leaving and I looked at these places like, oh, that looks cool. Oh, that looks cool. So I'd stop and I'd stop. And there was even one that's called this wildlife observation deck. So I get out of my car and I go up there. And again, it's I see nothing. It's dusk, which is sort of the time you'd think you'd see animals roaming around. I was like, dude, it's in the name, wildlife observation. And I'm not observing any wildlife. And I feel like God said, you know, in that, not the audible stuff, but sort of internally, he's like, oh, when, when I show you something, you're not going to have to be looking for it. It's going to be super obvious. Like, all right, uh, okay. So I got in my car, resigned to go finish the drive back up to the camp. 50 yards down the road, there's a field on both sides of the road. And I see over on my left, a herd of 50 mule deer. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And so I stopped the car. There's nobody coming. So I just stopped the car, start taking some pictures. And one of the deer starts walking towards my car. As deer do, right? And dude, the deer got so close, I felt its breath on Mm -hmm. my hand. I probably could have pet it if I hadn't been in such utter shock that this deer basically stuck his head in my car. (laughs) And so just that, like, is like, yeah, 
yeah, I don't have to go searching for it. I don't have to go chasing it. God's going to show up. He's going to show me things. He's going to be awesome. And again, that, that just that playful wink, it's almost like, you know, driving away. I was like, you're a show off. (laughs) And just experiencing that, just sort of the wow moments of the, the, you had the term you used earlier was the God Mm -hmm. wink, but it's sort of to, to see that, to feel both seen, known, loved, and sort of in a playful way. Yeah. The, the playfulness of, you know, that we're, we're describing, I think there's probably different varieties of it, right? There's the Peter go catch a fish and get the coin out. It's like this neat little magic trick and playful way that he likes to do it. Right. (laughs) Um, and he does that all throughout the gospels. And that's the only that we know of what we have recorded. There's tons of, you know, thousands of things that probably happened in Jesus lifetime. And after, after he rose from the dead. So, um, I think there's another brand of it. that's like, I kind of like, I have your back. I'm going to show you something in your own unique way um, and how Mm -hmm. our father in heaven, you know, like for those of us that have kids that are listening on the podcast, it's like you would give your kid the greatest gift ever. Like you, you don't want to let your kids down. Right. Right. And so in, in the same way, our, our father in heaven wants to give us even better gifts than that. I mean, there's scripture there about, about that. We, we're not going to give our kids a terrible gift in the same way. God wants to blow us away with an incredible yeah. gift. I think there's a playfulness of like, I have your back kind of thing. Um, and uh, to remind myself of, to both remain connected with God um, and to play and to laugh and not take myself too seriously. I actually have to carry around uh, this in my pocket. This is a little tiny bouncy ball. Uh, like you, <laughs> it's the size of a quarter. And like every now and then I just pull it out of my pocket and I toss it on the ground and pick it up and then put it back in my pocket. And it's just a reminder to like, not take myself too seriously, like play, be okay messing up and ask God for things that are not serious all the time, like playful. Yeah. And not asking him for a raise or a different job or this house or for my kids for this sickness. Like he cares about detail oriented things in our lives because we are his sons and his daughters. If we are connected to him and our hearts are, are drawn to him and there's a legit love connection, right. With our God that has done something great for us. He cares about little things that, we would say are really little and petty, yeah. but he cares about it. So let's voice them to him and say, Hey, I would love to be able to do this. Like something kind of small, like, um, gosh, I would just love to be able to, um, Oh, I even think about like some you know, little things. Like I would love to be able to enjoy a, a great meal with a really good friend of mine that I haven't seen in a long time. You know, little things to ask, he cares about stuff like that and he'll w- go way beyond and above, you know, what we would probably ever even think of. Um, and I'm, I, I ask God to laugh certain days. God knows it's going to be hard. I'm like, will you give me opportunities to laugh today that just blow me or so mm-hmm. surprising? Um, Cause I know it's going to have one hard meeting after another or whatever it may be and invite that because only God can do that. You can't manufacture those things. That's why like movies like Nacho Libre or or these comedies, to me, I'm so impressed by the writing behind it because there's like just people in the room. They're like, you know what? This would be funny. Let's do this. And you're like, oh, wow, that. And, and you know, think of all the things that weren't funny. But apparently, uh, I'll have to find the link for it. I'll put it on our website on menatthemovies.com backslash podcast. But Jack Black did like these fake confessions and made a podcast out of it from Nacho Libre that never made the movie. And it was like a super, apparently it was a really popular podcast. I'll have to, I'll put the link in on our website. (laughs) So as we turn towards home, there's another, I want to play one more clip. This is when Nacho gets discovered, his robe catches on fire and he runs out of the church and he's, he's, he's praying you know, God, should I be the luchador? Should I do wrestle? Should I keep this? Like, you've put this desire on my heart and I'm just sucking at it. I'm getting paid. So we get money. Good. You know, we're getting salad now, not this terrible chili soup thing. 
it makes his heart come alive. But now he gets discovered by the church. And it's interesting, like where he lands as he basically is getting kicked out is an interesting spot that like we want to figure out, well, how can we sort of invite and engage with more play in our lives? No, this is for reading. I knew it. He is not a man of God. Tonight, I will fight the seven strongest men in town. Maybe the world. And I will win. Because our Heavenly Father will be in the ring with me. And he and I will win 10,000 pesos. And with it, I will buy the orphans a big bus to go on field trips to parks and places like that. I'm serious. Again, I just love how God plans these conversations. Because you see that here's the church. It is forbidden. He is not a man of God. And what do we do in that so often is, oh man, you're right. I failed. I got to go take off my wrestler tights and, and put on, you know, whatever they wear under their, their brown robes. I got to give up my dream. Even though if you think about it, the, the dreams, the stuff that God put in us, I mean, he put in us, right? He's like, I got to give this up. This stuff that I've loved my whole life, right? He's it shows in the beginning of the movie. He shows him as a young kid dressing up as a luchador, and he's like, "It doesn't matter what you say. I'm not going to follow those counterfeit Christs anymore. I am going to the ring not because I'm looking for fame or glory. I want to give these orphans because that's who he cares about. <laughs> that scene." The the scene between he and him and Steven where he's like, I hate all the orphans in the world. <laughs> Say it again. Say it to my face. <laughs> he's doing it because he loves to wrestle. He loves to be in the ring. He loves to engage in that. And so what is it that we do? I love what you you just you had said earlier. I asked God, God, give me opportunity mm-hmm. to laugh in my day. This is gonna be a hard day. You know, for me, when I'm when I'm either on my porch, I'm I'm drinking coffee, reading my Bible. We now have three hummingbird feeders around the house because seeing a hummingbird fills my heart with joy. And there's cardinals and there's deer and there's like, there's something about wildlife that feels like a gift from God to me. That feels like I see you, I love you. This is super cool. And like, um, I saw a bunch of hawks when we were at the lake and at our men's retreat, we see a bald eagle flying over the thing. It was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Dude, at the retreat, uh, I'm I'm working on, I do the opener, I'm the MC for our men's retreat. And we go down by the lake and, and it's that first, it's before the first day. So it was like, I have like three or four hours. And I'm like, yeah, some of my friends are fishing. A friend of mine is like, yeah, man, I haven't fished in a long time. Can you show me how to use this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I throw the worm out. I'm like, all right, so see, you want to do this. Here's how this works. You bump it around and a fit, I catch a fish. <laughs> like one cast, one fish. <laughs> I was like, yeah, just, just do that again. But again, those, those smiles of the father, of, of those good gifts to my, to his son. So you had mentioned earlier, Dustin, the, the idea of those younger mm-hmm. parts of me. You know, Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted, the shattered, those pieces of us that have been broken away. And those five-year-olds that love to play, we sort of diminish and we, we, we smother. So, you know, looking at our action items, what do we do from here? What do we do with this information? I mean, you could watch a silly movie like Nacho Libre, if that's your jam. But ask yourself, what would that younger boy, what did you love to do when you were five? When you were 12, when you were 16, what would it look like to give you permission to do that? For me, it was, I, I loved making airplane models. And so I gave a few years ago, I gave myself permission to hmm. do that again. What is it that you love to do that has no other purpose other than doing it for the joy? 
So Dustin, how can, how, what are some ways that you think we can establish, we can, we can experience more play that we can, that, that we can rediscover that attitude of play and make play a part of our lives because it's a part of God's life. The first part of trying anything, like if you're listening, it's like, I don't even have a category for what it looks like for me to play <laughs> right now. Like, like Morgan said, is like, I, this doesn't make yeah, sense. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a file for this. I, I think just like anything, like, um, you know, I went years without exercising and got back into it recently. And golly, I mean, even just to, I used to play soccer and could run five miles like it was nothing, right? Now just to run like half a mile, it's just so painful. I'm using that analogy and that you haven't forgotten how to run, Dustin. It's just going to take you a little bit longer <laughs> right. how to have your body healed and to run longer distances. It's going to take longer to recover, all that stuff. We haven't forgotten how to play, but we do need to reintroduce it to our lives to help. God, will you heal my unbelief? You know, one of the greatest mm-hmm. prayers that we can pray. I don't believe that can happen or that can happen, God, but will you heal my unbelief? So if it's specific around this category of play, I think thinking around something very simple of like, what could introduce, where could I introduce play in my life one time a week? And what it is, is it's beginning to practice what it looks like to play. Um, and while we're doing it, it's not just the act of it, but it's the motive behind it. I actually mm-hmm. want to play with Jesus or play with our Father in heaven. And Father, I know you want me to play with you as I love my boys to play with me. I want to invite mm-hmm. you into this and I want to laugh together. I want to go play golf together. I want to go fish together. It's, it is about things we do with God and experiencing with him is actually what brings about the restorative nature of our heart to connect him or connect our hearts with his. <clears throat> and so I think the the first step is figuring out what that aspect of play is. It could be something as simple as shooting baskets, right? throwing a tennis ball against a wall um, or going for a walk. Like what does it look like to experience play? It could be getting your Legos back out and playing those. For sure. I mean, we can name all sorts of stuff, right? I think your your point is great. Like, what did I enjoy when I was eight or 15 or whatever it is? And go back to that if you have to. Um, or there could be hobbies that we like now, but it's reframing it rather than for relief. And I need to get out of the office or get out of... It is reintroducing the fact that I can bring joy to my life and, it, and I can invite God into this category here. And it could be something that someone already does every week, but now it's introducing bringing God and inviting God into that space. The the idea of play is doing something purely for the enjoyment of the doing it. Mm-hmm. Like you're playing golf just because you enjoy it. Yep. You're, you're fishing not to catch a bunch of fish, not to put food on plate, just because you enjoy being out in nature, throwing some lures in the water, put shooting baskets mm-hmm. just because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And giving yourself permission to do that. And I think that's an important piece that helps us, as they said on stage, that helps us to get our smile back. And yeah. to become that person that's engaging to our families, to somebody who's not all thunder and lightning, mm-hmm. but can actually bring light and life to those around us. To lighten their moods because they're, they're, they need it too. You know, like you said, you're going on vacation with your wife. You're going to want to do some playful things because yeah. that brings you both to life. That that increases, that improves, that enhances your relationship. Mm-hmm. Not just, you know, sitting around watching TV or yeah. even going on a hike. But what is it that you can play? You can Is it a game? Is it doing something silly? Is it, you know, whatever it is. I don't know because every... Everything's different, like that old Budweiser commercial. It's only weird if it doesn't work. <laughs> so embrace your weird, whatever that is of your playfulness, mm. and go for it. Yeah. So this has been awesome, Dustin. Thank you once again for sharing your time and your heart with us. And uh, this has been Dustin and Paul talking sort of about Nacho Libre. 
And I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I hope you join us next time here on the Men at the Movies podcast. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? (laughs) 